It's Positive Spark Plug time, and I'm your host, Candice, and I am so pumped for you guys today, for I have a very special guest, Curtis Gabriel, and this guy is honestly a man of inspiration. He is a man of impact, and he is going to create incredible change for many people around the world. He is giving a voice to so many people. He is an advocate. He is a professional hockey player, and he shares his story of how he has developed himself as a man, how he is now going beyond just being an athlete, and how he is using his voice to stand up for what he believes is right and what others need as a voice and he is giving his voice to them this episode is truly incredible it's truly inspiring so let's get to it hey curtis how are you good how are you i am excellent i'm excited to have you on the positive spark plug podcast um, I'm really excited. Our mutual friend Zach reached out uh, to me um, and got us in contact because of what I've done a little bit of research about who you are and what you do. Um, you really represent what my podcast is about, and you seem like a really um, influential person that is really trying to bring a positive force to the world. And I absolutely admire that, and I want my listeners to to hear all that you have to say and and hear your your journey because I know it it's a good one and it's exciting and it's hockey and I love hockey and, <laughs> and it's just more than hockey it's deeper than that but uh, I think that will draw some people in so thank you so very much for joining me today and and giving me your time and energy yeah no thank you so much those are really kind words and thank you for the platform I love uh I love doing all kinds of shows. It doesn't have to be a huge show. It doesn't have to be, uh, you know, it can be the smallest one in the world. I love doing everybody because it's a platform to share with people that, you know, you have a day job. I'm sure you have whatever you do and this is part of it, but you, you, you're doing secondary passions. You're grinding at all different things. And those are the people I vibe with. So it's very easy for me to come on and talk. So I'm pumped. Awesome. So speaking of hockey, you play currently for the Lehigh Valley Phantoms. And you are on the roster, or you were on the roster for the Flyers. Am I correct? Uh, so yeah, I was signed to a for hockey fans out there want to know more about contracts. I was signed to a two-way contract. So a one-way contract means you're paid the same amount no matter where you play. They can send you up and down. I get paid a certain amount in the NHL, a certain amount in the AHL, and I can go up and down just by a phone call. So uh, this year, unfortunately, uh, didn't go the way I wanted. Um, the year before I spent three months in the NHL with the New Jersey Devils and I thought I'd have a good chance to play in the NHL this season. Signed with a team that I thought was perfect for me for a lot of reasons and, uh, just didn't go the way I wanted it. And I spent the whole year in the whole year in the minors, uh, for a great organization, a great place to play in the AHL. We have everything. It's like we're run like an NHL team and we, there we didn't really have the season we wanted either. So, um, not the best of hockey seasons, that's for sure. Oh wow. So I want to I want to dive a little bit into your past. Has hockey always been something that you've wanted to do? Has this always been your goal to be in the NHL? Uh I think every kid who plays hockey, right, when they're when I started 5 years old organized hockey, I think that's the ultimate dream, but it's so far in the distance and 
you dream, you know, it's not even realistic. So I played just for fun um, up until I was 15 years old. So basically um, played all the lower, like kind of, you know, from five years old, as much as you can climb the ranks, I just kind of went up a level for a couple of years. And by the time I got to 10, I uh, made it to quote unquote, the highest level triple A hockey in Ontario. And I couldn't make my local hometown team. So I did, my dad uh, specifically got me to a team a couple towns over and it's all political. You got to get all these releases and all this stuff. Um, so okay. I was able to go there and make this team at AAA at that age at 10 years old. And it was like, all right, well, maybe I have a chance to go. We're still in the, in the, in the rear view mirror, like that kind of thing. But it's just like, all right, maybe we could play high level hockey. And, um, not some great, some great things didn't happen that year. My dad uh, took his own life, uh, at the start of that season. And going into that year, the, I was kind of an unknown and they said, Hey, you're going to be one of our go-to guys along with Barkley Goodrow, who now plays for the Tampa Bay Lightning. And um, he was a he was a well known guy, and I was an unknown. So like you are a go to guy. And, and after that happened, uh, all my confidence with hockey was just sucked right out of me. Um, he was the one that kind of you know the quote unquote hockey dad. I don't think he was a crazy hockey dad. He was very supportive and put a lot of confidence in me. So once that was gone, um, it kind of went downhill. As much as you can play a fourth line role in AAA hockey, when I was supposed to be the top guy, I didn't play very much. Play at least on the team and. Uh, it was just an overall negative year. So my mom now, uh, driving the ship, kind of didn't know much about hockey herself, being a volleyball, basketball, soccer player, which I played all the other sports, really. But she knew I liked it the most. She said, we need to go back to Newmarket, my hometown, Ontario, and uh, uh, just play hockey for fun again. So really, uh, I played hockey for fun all the way up until 15. Uh, 15 turning 16 still was just like a fun thing to do. I guess I was going to go to college, and my mom's a grade 8 teacher. I guess I'm going to go to school for something. And um, a bunch of other kids started trying out for the local junior A team, which is like a feeder system to go play college hockey in the States. So I was like, okay, maybe like if other guys are trying out, she said, maybe you go try it. It's 50 bucks. I was like, okay. And my journey kind of started from there. Wow. Oh, I want to oh, hold. There's a lot of that I want to dive into. <laughs> I know. Um, first and foremost, I want to say I apologize for your dad and, and I could not imagine um, you know, what you have gone through. Um, but can we dive a little deeper into that? Absolutely. Um, that's why I stopped. I knew I knew the story starts taking off in there. So I was like, you know what, that's a good place to stop. Um I know I I oh so I totally get the whole hockey dad. My dad was that. I had a stepdad that was involved with our hockey. Um I played hockey. I was the only girl in my house league at first. It was really cool. Um how how did you keep going um when you felt that the wind was sucked out of you did it was it something that you were just pushed into like you should just keep going did you feel that your dad was kind of compelling you to to keep playing even if it wasn't uh for competitiveness because that that's when you have someone that you have such a deep connection with and you bring something an event into that brings so much emotion and it, you tie yourself and that person to an event um whether whether the event is gone or that other person is gone how do you how did you find the way to keep pushing forward yeah i mean i, I was 10 so i i couldn't even tell you really right it was uh uh, it was a, to me, I was told it was a freak train accident at first. And I was like, what does that mean? I don't know what that means. I'm 10, you know, I'm, a, I was emotional. My brother was seven. He was more of kind of like, oh, okay. Like he wasn't even, you know, there yet. Um, 
I just remember not having fun playing hockey and that's like very rare, right? Cause I love playing hockey. Uh, you know, I'm sure my mom was going through an awful time. We've talked about it since, uh, she had to start driving me everywhere single for a little bit. Right. Um, obviously, well, they, my parents were divorced. So we, they divorced at six and I was like, whatever, I don't care. As long as I get to see my parents, but you know, she was kind of just on her own there for a bit. And, uh, as far as as far as I can remember, I just tried to make it fun, and it didn't wasn't fun. And then it kind of made sense that we'll just go back to Newmarket and play hockey for fun again. You know, it, it, that's all it was in the beginning. Really, it was just my dad thought that hey, I think he's good enough to play somewhere else. It's just that local team was too good that I couldn't make it there. They were like stacked. So um, I don't know. I, I guess uh, life's just you got to keep on going, and I mean that's the only thing you can do at the end of the day. You're not going to kill yourself when you're ten years old. Like I don't know. Like I would just there's there were just two options: live or die. So I was tried to uh make life as normal again and uh play sports for fun again and and, and play with buddies that i'd grown up with that i'd left when i went to that team so um yeah that for a while there though from 10 to i want to say maybe 14 kind of oblivious to this stuff didn't really know but in that time frame i found out that he did take his own life and then you know getting into 13 14 15 you know the, the emotions started to come out more okay um so uh... You're just kind of just trying to build normalcy into a life that, you know, was very suddenly given to you um, mm-hmm. with with going um, back to your hometown mm-hmm. and starting to play for fun. Did you take a little bit of time off before you started playing again when you got back to your hometown? Did you take a season uh, off or did you kind of just go back into it? Yeah, uh, hockey back, you know, hockey is kind of crazy now. Kids play all year round. Uh, but back then it was, you play other sports in different seasons. So I, uh, you know, season was over, went and played high level baseball all summer. My dad, that was his favorite sport. Uh, so I went back to playing that. Um, had a lot of friends there. Uh, going into the next winter, play, I played high level basketball as well and volleyball at school. So I just immersed myself in sports, which is what I'd always done. That was, that was always my place to go have fun. I love to compete and, um, really it was just kind of dealing with, you know, Everybody saying sorry that your dad took his life or whatever, you know, that sucks. And, you know, kind of realizing, okay, I don't have a dad, you know, Father's Day, that kind of sucks now. You know, my mom's my mom and dad now. Uh, I got to be the man of the house to my little brother. Uh, try to set a good example, which was hard for because he was such a different personality than me. <laughs> so he, he didn't really want to hear it, which was tough for me because I wanted to be the man, you know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, just right back to normal life, just uh, a different lens to look at life now that it was, you know people that you love can be gone pretty fast yes a hundred percent um so you started playing hockey again for fun when did you start realizing that you were like whoa maybe I um am wanting to pursue this in more of a a career than just having fun I've dealt with kind of what I've gone through that life's kind of getting back to normal I've you know built the life that is normal now um and hockey's taking off how did you decide and when was that pivoting point uh for me it was when my mom just said like so so basically how it works is when you play minor midget um triple a that's the level that guys get drafted to the OHL so that's like when those are the guys that really have a chance to play pro hockey. I mean, it's not okay. guaranteed, but they're, they're the top players. So I, that's AAA. I was at AA having fun. I was a captain of my team, got to play a bunch, just have a blast. So I wasn't even considered. I, they don't look at my level to be drafted, really. So it wasn't even on my radar, having fun. Uh, so then 
how it works is then there's a major midget level where all the guys that leave to go to the OHL, all the remainders have now a two two age group. So it's like uh, 16 and 17 kind of. So I thought, oh, I'm just going to play that. I guess that's what everybody else is doing. And my mom saw these guys trying out for the local junior A team, which you can start playing at a 16, the New Market Hurricanes. And I'd always loved them. I've gone to games, won a Chuck a Puck jersey. It was cool. And my mom goes, well, if they're trying out, go for it. This is was like, okay. And I went out there as a total random and I did really well. And uh had a lot of fun playing at a higher level of hockey. I'd always thought the game pretty well, I thought. Um, I was getting taller. Uh, and they just kind of were like, well, we're not going to sign you just out of nowhere because you're, you just played double A last year. You need to go play triple A. So I was about to play double A again. I, I said, go play triple A in Markham, a town next to the one that I played when I was 10 years old. So my mom said, all right, well, I, I was the one that told you to go try out. They said you did pretty well. Let's go play in Markham. And there's a scout in the stands that got me on that team. And that's the team where Gord Fournier was his coach. And he said, Hey, if you want to, I know you're, you're a, I was also a tried out for Stouffville and other junior team. And I was an extra call up for them. And he said, Hey, I know you're wanting to play junior. If you want to do better, I think you should probably start playing more physical. And I went, Oh, okay. I mean, I've always like hit people, but I've never been like, that's my role. Um, yeah. So now he started telling me to play with more energy, more physicality, uh, more intimidation kind of thing. And I, I embraced it. I liked it. I've never been a violent kid off the ice. I'm just really intense and uh, serious so it, it kind of came to me naturally and from there I, I trained hard for the first time uh, I broke my wrist in the summer and then I, I put a lot of time in the gym for the first time and I was able to go back and make that junior A team the next summer and that was like a huge deal mom's like oh my gosh like he's gonna have a chance to yes. compete for a scholarship in the states like woohoo like we put in this little effort of a year and a half and look what it's look what's happened she's crying and everything woohoo I'm, I'm on a path and then kind of stuff started changing from there i got randomly invited to an ohl tryout and uh totally random skate um there's different levels junior a junior b junior c and they said go skate with our junior c affiliate just for fun it's their tryouts but i said okay i love free ice i'll go skate for fun and having playing games and yeah. i was hitting everybody i scored like three goals i broke a guy's nose in a fight and then the, the guy's just like in the stands he's like do you want to come try out for the owen town attack or the ohl and i went what like no, I don't, I don't even know. I always tell might as well be the NHL to me. I'm not ready for that. Oh, my God. And uh, I remember specifically getting in the car. My mom picked me up. I jumped in the driver's seat. One of my first times driving, we get pulled over by a ride program. They're like, how's your night going? We said, oh, we just got asked to try out in the OHL. And we started laughing with the firefighter and then kept on driving home. And then the next day, he kept followed up. He's like, no, I actually want you to come try out. And we're like, oh, geez, this is actually serious. And wow. two months later, two months later, I'm up there at training camp and I make the team. Wow. Holy, eh? It was just kind of a yeah. matter of, you know, being in the right place at the right time and just doing the things that you love because you love them and, mm -hmm. and not really putting an agenda on it at, at a specific time or, or for certain reasons, you're just doing it and yeah. it worked out. Um, so with, you know, being a teenager, especially like 16, 17, how did you find the dedication and the mindset to keep yourself focused in going for this dream when you have buddies and friends that you know are you know drinking and having fun and going to parties and how did you how did you find that that path and did you immerse yourself in both did you not really associate with you know that type of crowd or energy how was that for you growing up because it's a lot of training, a lot of time, a lot of effort, waking up early. So how did you manage all of that at such a young age? That's a mindset that not a lot of kids have at that age. 
Yeah, I was. I've been asked this many times now. It's kind of like it's a kind of almost like where did it come from? Because uh, I've always been a serious person, super type A. So I guess that makes sense. But uh, you know, from going from you know just playing for fun to all of a sudden in like pretty quickly, I'm like yeah. training for this. You know, um, so basically, I took all the other sports out of my life. I broke my wrist, couldn't pitch anymore in baseball, so that went out the window. Basketball, volleyball. I said, all right, I guess I'm doing this, and I finally specified my sport put in time in the gym I liked working out I was like oh I mean I'd work out even if I didn't play hockey I loved it uh so that was easy for me that was fun uh getting a skills coach and actually having someone work on just my game instead of 20 guys out of the practice for the first time wow this is improving my game um I've always been a naturally good runner so I, I thought that going up to this Owen Sound attack skate I should be in ridiculous shape and I trained with the uh, first time with a real personal trainer and I ran a lot I trained in this hot sweaty gym hard all summer and I showed up at that camp and I destroyed their conditioning test so much so that they're like okay that probably is a big part of me making the team like I ran the deep test three levels past anybody else when I was 17 so I, I went from I went from 170 pounds to 190 pounds in one summer I was drinking crazy amounts of shakes we called them beer shakes my <laughs> trainer would just my trainer would tell me just to drink these he said didn't matter what you eat, you can eat McDonald's every day and I was like I don't want to eat McDonald's every day he's like but you're that body type eat 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 so he said you know three scoops of protein powder three eggs ice cream milk and a, some Guinness have that twice a day it's 1500 calories chug it down and I, I got used to eating lots of food so that I could fill out my body I was tall and skinny but now I had some muscle on me so I don't really know where that happened I just kind of felt like I had nothing to lose I I just fell into this I wasn't pressured into this it was all on me and I had nothing to lose. Why not go for it? And I don't know where that comes from, but I just had that. I don't know. My mom's always been a hardworking person. My grandparents came over from Scotland are hardworking people, you know, brought me up the right way to get, I only get to go to hockey to get my homework done if I handle my responsibilities. So I just kind of started building that for myself from there. Um, and it, yeah, I did pass up the partying a bit. I passed up having fun and, um, playing all the other sports with my buddies had to kind of say see ya and, and there's sacrifices to making to making things happen in your life that you want to happen a hundred percent a hundred percent you're always going to be sacrificing something it depends on what you're wanting to sacrifice and and depending on um you know what is most important sometimes uh you have to sacrifice something that seems so good at the moment uh, for something that you know is going to be so much better in, in the long run. Um, with being you know, uh, a young athlete and, you know, going through so much camps and training and stuff, how important, and even now, how important is it to have a mentor, to have someone to look up to, to, to be able to reach out to and, and ask for help or support? And um, can you give any examples of when somebody has done that for you and some lessons you have learned? Oh, my gosh. Since so many people, it's hard to to reach out i've never been the type of person that like i seek knowledge like i don't it's not like i have to figure it out on my own it's like no 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 no. like i want to talk to as many people and clean as many things as i can to help me so it's been so many different skating coaches nutritionists um <clears throat> mental training coaches like everything but it's what i've found is you have to figure it out for yourself you can be told things you can lead a horse to water but you can't make a drink and i've been told many times to try, yeah. kind of change my ways because the reason I was so good and made it to that high level of the OHL um, was probably because I just had no worries. I just went out there and played to compete and had fun and had no expectations. 
so what, what, what the problem with that is, is when that we'll get into the story later, but I started to kind of expect things because now I was, uh, you know, I started moving up the ranks and, and that kind of sucked me in in a bad way. So it's kind of interesting how I listened to a lot of people, but I didn't really listen. I kind of had to figure it out for myself. So that's what I try to impart on, you know, to change your question. I, I can't really single out many individual people, but I can start to think about how I try to peel it all together for myself and try to tell younger athletes like, hey, like you got to take this to heart. Like I didn't and it messed me up for a long time. So, so many, just too many people to mention, to be honest with you. All right. Um, so with, with being in, in the hockey, for, like the hockey lifestyle and especially getting up to the NHL career level, um, even for a short period of times, there's a lifestyle that is associated with, you know, hockey players. Um, what was that like for you, um, in the fact of, you know, like you, you're, it kind of sounds like it kind of took you in. Did you lose yourself in a certain persona of how you felt you needed to represent yourself as as a man, as a hockey player? Um, can you, like, how is that growing up? Because I know it can't be easy um, when you have so many people, you know, giving <clears throat> advice, like you said. Um, how did you manage to put it all together without losing yourself? Or did you lose yourself a little bit? I, I lost myself in a way that you wouldn't expect. I was too much of like, if I don't make it, I'll die. Like, it wasn't like I didn't get lost too much in like the party life. I've never sucked into that. Like, I, I'd go out with the guys and stuff. Not maybe not early on as much, but I'd start to kind of loosen up. But I was too hockey centric focused, too. I have to make it focused, like to the point where I think if I thought, I thought if I didn't make it, I'd like spontaneously combust. Like, now I have to make the NHL, not I hope to make it or. I have no expectations of making it. Let's see where I get. I had to make it now. Um, and I went, I found that, you know, because I worked so hard, I thought, oh, I just got to get even harder and darker and crazier about training when I, I needed to probably have a better perspective of like, why did I get here? It's because I wasn't over, I was over, I trained hard, but I wasn't like, couldn't sleep at night. You know, I go to bed happy, like, frick, I trained hard today and wake up to do it again. It was, did I do enough? Uh, oh gosh, do I have to hire this power skater instead? Do I gotta eat this little thing and different? And I got, sucked into like that trap of like going too hard and, kind of sound uh, like you built an anxiety around having to to always be the best at like the top of what you're doing what your coaches are expecting or what your player your, your teammates are expecting it's like I have to be that and I have to be top notch mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean it's weird how that uh in hindsight 2020 I'm 27 now to look back it's kind of weird you know so it's been 10 years since I like made that team in the OHL and I played four years in the OHL, got drafted to the NHL after not being drafted to the OHL and I played six years of professional hockey and only 38 NHL games when my goal is to be up there. And I kind of had to get to a breaking point, which really was the start of this quarantine. Uh, so many times I thought I had it figured out, but I got sucked into that. You know, I thought I was fine. Oh, okay. I'm going to mental reset. But I, but in the back of my head, I still, if I don't make it, I'm going to die. My, my ego is attached to being an NHL hockey player only. Nothing else. Yes. And I could talk, I could talk to you on a podcast and put up a facade or what I actually it wasn't even a facade. It was truly what I thought. I thought I was fine. Like I remember at like 22 talking to our player development guy in Minnesota, like, Oh, I think something clicked. I get it now. He's like, Oh yeah. And I was like, Oh yeah. And I remember thinking, he doesn't know, like I get it here. I'm at 27. Mm-hmm. No, buddy, you didn't get it. You didn't get it. You know? So um after a season, so what just 
I mean, we can go through all the steps of it, but like that's basically the gist of it is that I got to that you're asking that question. I got too sucked into that mindset of I have to do it or I won't exist. Yeah, it became legitimately your identity. It like there was nothing, there was nothing else to you but the hockey player. Mm-hmm. How did you? How did you start peeling off that that mask that um, that you had to kind of please everybody? That you had to have that certain that certain identity all the time. And how did you start letting yourself see that there was more to you? than what the world was telling you you had to be, what you thought you had to be because of certain things that you decided to do, the the lifestyle you are wanting to pursue as a career. Um, how do you, how did you allow yourself to start peeling off that mask? I mean, it was, it was forced. It was, it, I basically, it was like, it got stripped from me and then I had to sit there and be like, well, what am I if I don't have this? So, um, Four years in Minnesota, uh, basically the gist there is I, I had a good first year pro. Second year, I had a chance to make the team. I didn't. It's anxiety. I never had like really great camps. I had the anxiety of performing. Um, but I got to play in the NHL my second year. Third year, I spent a month in the NHL, thought I made the team, then got sent down. Said, you won't be ready. You're 23. You won't be ready to 27. I was like, huh? Uh, we won like 13 games in a row. So I go back down. I'm like, okay, I got to refocus. And I get my wrist sliced by a skate. And I'm like, that season kind of got washed. Uh, so then I'm a free agent and I'm like, gosh, you know, I had to deal with the disappointment of not making the NHL team where I got drafted. That was a huge shot to me because I'd played with one OHL team. I wanted to be with one NHL team that took a shot on me in third, third round of the draft. Um, so now I'm a free agent and I go to New Jersey and I've, now I put this new expectation on myself. Oh, the grass is greener on the other side. I'm going to find a better place. It's going to be perfect for me. You know, even down to my my minor hockey team was red, white, and black. The Devils are red, white, and black. Like, it's my purpose. Let's go. Yeah. And um, I had a good – I trained my butt off again. I got into it, trained hard, went to the camp, thought I played well, got mic'd up for this TV show. I was, like, one of the people there following to see if they make it. I get cut on TV. That sucks. I go down to the minors, and I'm like, okay, I'm still going to have a good mindset. I'm still going to be able to do this. First two games, I'm a fourth-line player. So I, I hit, I fight, I play the least amount on the team, but I'm, like, that role guy. And I embrace that role. I love it. So first two games, I have two assists playing good minutes on a good line. And I'm like, hey, maybe this is like my chance to like really make an impact and get up to New Jersey. And then I got, then I got scratched the third game, totally taken out of the lineup. And for the first time in my life, I wasn't a prospect anymore. This team wasn't the team that drafted me. They weren't as invested in me. So they sat me to play other young kids. And I, that killed my, I mean, I couldn't, I couldn't handle it. Basically, I got, I started getting scratched like three, four games in a row. After I thought I played well, and this is where the whole life lesson of that life is not fair comes into play. I thought that I deserved something and I wasn't getting it. My expectation was wrong. Um, that's not how life works. So I wasn't prepared no. for that. And it hit, it hit me like a freaking block in the head. Uh, so basically that was the lowest of the lows. I hit a rock bottom there playing barely, you know, I had no confidence, um, you know, basically, I just like, what do I do here? Like, do I, I, I had thoughts of like, I know I'm good enough, but it's just, I'm not being treated how I thought I should be treated. And I couldn't handle it. It's being a baby, to be honest. Um, and funny how life works. <laughs> David, David Goggins is a, is a Navy SEAL who released a yes. book and an audio book. Uh, right at this time, this audio book came out in book and I was like, I got it. And I listened to it six times. And this I guy love basically, that audio. yes, this guy, basically told me to grow the hell up that life's not fair through his story. And I basically just decided that I'm going to start going to the rink every day 
I always stayed, you know, the longest and worked the hardest, but now I'm going to take it to another level. Like I played every practice, like it was game seven, Stanley Cup finals. I was straight up like, I was like, our team, first of all, our team wasn't doing very well. So I was like, you know what? If I'm not playing, they're going to either have to play me or they're going to have to get me out of here. Cause I was just crushing everybody in practice. I was like, yeah. I mean, what do you want from me? I'm, I'm trying to raise the level of competition, in our team. So I just said, I'll go to the rink every day. I'll leave the most tired. I'll be able to sleep at night and look myself in the mirror and say, you, you worked your butt off. And from there, I built this confidence back up. And um, it's so weird that you go from the lowest of the low to then getting called up to the NHL and spend three months there. So that had to happen for me to realize that, like, realize some of those things. But I still didn't get it yet. So I'm trying to give you the context of it. So, I, again, I go into the season. I play three months in the NHL. I scroll goals for the first time. I'm like, yeah. yes, I made it. And then they don't even call me in free agency. And I'm like, okay, life's not fair. They didn't call me. I got to go somewhere else. I go to Philly where the, the, the GM and assistant GM that drafted me in Minnesota now runs the Philadelphia Flyers. So I'm like, perfect. They wanted me on the team. Yeah. The coach, the coach didn't. Perfect opportunity. I go there, fifth in fitness testing, got a new mindset and, you know, ready to go. And I hurt my knee in camp. I'm out a week, which is not very long, but I asked to stay. They send me down. I'm like, okay, refocus, play well in the minors. If I play well, I'll get called up, have the best weekend in the minors, goal, this fight, playing really well, playing the most I've ever played. I don't get called up the whole year. So that's when you talk about, this is a really had to discover now that I, just because I'm not there, I'm still alive. You know, I'm still a human being. I'm still yeah. a good person. I still represent pride tape. I'm doing activism. Uh, my family loves me. Um, got a new girlfriend in my life so basically i came home with my tail between my legs and the and the coronavirus after the coronavirus hit and i had to do a self-authoring program by jordan peterson and i had to recalibrate my mind like i am a person first and a good man first hockey player second and that our life opened up from there yes i was i want to i want to talk about that how important is self-dialogue especially with going through hardships like that especially because it sounds like at certain points, like you were striving for like perfectionism within your training, within who you were as a as an athlete, and in each in each uh, category that you were kind of given, or each hat that you were given, and it seemed that like even though they were placing those hats on you and kind of showing you the light, and then making you work for it, and making you feel like what you were giving as perfection was not ever good enough because it kept getting drafted or cut. How did you take how did you take that effort and put it into your training but not have it as okay I need to be perfect because mm -hmm. there's a difference in going in training and attacking it as I'm going to do it for myself no matter what and I'm doing it for a perfection that is needed for others how did you change that mindset do you feel that that has helped you yeah. I, okay. So I feel like, remember I said, I worked with all these different like mental coaches and all these people telling me for years, all these great lessons. Yeah. And I was just so stubborn. And now it's funny. I have my, like my new love of my life, my girlfriend, she's the same way. She's 20. She's a lot younger than me. So she's just, I'm like, Oh God, but you have to figure it out on your own because I didn't <laughs> want to listen either. And, um, man, I face, I honestly feel like all those things that I've ever been told, I'm finally listening to and actually believing. And it took me having to, you know, experience these things in the awful time to to really take these things to heart and then to to do that self-authoring program where I write my whole past in 16,000 words you know admit all my faults 
see look back on everything and it's crazy what happens how you start remembering things and see what i've done wrong what i've done right i made this i've made the same mistake i think i counted five times in my life where i thought i deserved something and i let my expectations rule me so now it's just like why was i doing that like i'm 27 finally i've grown up i feel like and it's like this all this i have access to all these things now because i look at life as like i'm a person i'm a i'm a i'm curtis and i'm not hockey player curtis i'm just curtis and I'm back to, I feel like I train and I approach hockey now like I when I was 17, 16 again, where it's like, I don't have any expectations of myself. Of course, I want to play in the NHL. I'm going to yes. go to an NHL camp, hopefully, and go crazy because I'm going to be oh, yeah. finally unlocked my potential of just what I do. But if I don't, the worst case is I play hockey for money in the AHL. And I can go into that community and share my message and make a positive difference in all these social issues and play hockey. So, like, what, what I have nothing to lose now. What, like, yes. I have amazing family, amazing girlfriend, amazing friends. I'm winning. I don't I don't need to look. I, I'm alive. First of all, thank, I'm one in four trillion to be alive. Thank gosh I'm alive and I'm a hockey player. You know, like, wow. Yes. I'm just grateful now. So, it's just taken a long time to get there. Had I, had I gotten there earlier, probably be in the NHL, I think. It it's it seems like right now the the path of hockey has has given you the avenue to really just find yourself and I and by the your shirt and the way that you just said you do some activists and stuff, it sounds like your hockey is going to be just your 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 small platform that um is going to allow you to do a lot of great things um can we get into what you're what you're doing with your activism what what work do you do because this is i i love this stuff i love people that are wanting to help and and spread the the good word and and love and positivity so can we talk about what you do absolutely i must if i come on every podcast to talk about so um I want to preface this by saying I was a <clears throat> extreme. I messed up my last my last podcast. I'm a I was a naive cisgender straight white male hockey player. You know, it's like the most privileged you can be. And I didn't honestly grow up around racism. I was I was I loved black people. Like we had them on every hockey. I had hockey team players growing up, buddies. I played basketball, played hockey with them, whatever. But I I, I experienced a bit of homophobia. But I was a little naive to it, and it hadn't been humanized. The issue hadn't been humanized to me. So. I'll start by saying that is like, I needed some time just like with hockey to kind of organically come around to these issues where I wasn't ready to, I was oblivious. So I was never a hateful person. I was oblivious. So that's my category I fall into. So now I'm awake on these things. Um, so I was dating an ex-girlfriend in the summer of 2018 and one of her friends came out to be in a relationship with a girl and her family like non-financially uh, started, stopped supporting her when they were really wealthy uh, I just was like, what? Like, she's the sweetest person in the world. She's like that friend that like wouldn't hurt a fly. Like, you know, yep. like what? So I was just like, hmm, that's super like strange. And it's weird how things happen in life. I think everything just happens to me organically. So I just got to go be myself. But uh, I go, I get called up to the devils and I happen to be there in early 2019, February for their pride night. And uh, pride tape has the tape that makes, you know, rainbow tape. And uh, all the players are instructed to kind of put it on their, their blades for warm up and then to take it off for the game. And oh. I was just trying to, I was just trying to stay in the NHL. I was like, I need to just stay here. We're playing the Montreal Canadiens tonight. Oh my gosh. I scored my first NHL goal two games later. My confidence is feeling good. I need to keep the same. So I'm like, I'm not taking my black tape off my stick. So I'll put my pride tape on the top of my stick, the, the shaft. 
And uh, I come in after warm up and everybody's taking the tape off. And I just, it was a two second decision. Now I looked at my stick. I was like, it's more work to take the tape off than to leave it on. And maybe someone will notice it and feel more included. And then I went right back to playing hockey. I was like, not thinking about it. I went out, played probably the best game, scored a game winner against Carey Price. Like, whoa, like that was so cool. Oh, like, yeah. I, got, I got to, I got to celebrate and jump into the glass and scream like I the best feeling of my life. And we win the game two nothing and uh come into the locker room after I check my phone, it's blowing up because obviously I scored again, but because I wore this pride tape and people are like freaking out, zooming in on on TV. It was nationally televised in Canada. The owners of Pride Tape were like hearing about it. They're like, Oh my gosh. Um and so it's like I scored a goal for inclusion there. And I just got catapulted into this fight of helping the LGBTQ2S plus community and it's been the best thing I've ever done. So that was my intro into it. Now I've been in this fight for probably twenty months. And I feel like I'm the most educated on this topic. Uh, but then obviously with the George Floyd murder and the Black Lives Matter stuff, <clears throat> I got pulled into that as well. I, I got humanized to me. I started educating on it with my family. It was a very uncomfortable couple months, like every day talking to my mom about these issues. And my brother's really smart on them. So um, basically, yeah, that's where I'm at. I, I'm just trying to organically go with the flow, learn as much as I can as an ally. I'm a, you know, I'm here to, uh, you know, and um amplify voices of these communities to educate to ask other white people to educate rather privileged people to educate and then really just stand up for them did you do you feel that maybe in that that quick split of a moment when you lo- were looking at your tape um did you have you know your your ex-girlfriend's friend in mind maybe to kind of just keep it on um did she play a role because when you're kind of like you said, it was like a split second, but did that play a factor maybe possibly like in thinking, hmm, I'm just going to, I'm I'm going to defy the odds a little bit because everybody else, you know, is, is taking it off. It's just something that they do. It's not, you know, it's not in a place that everybody's really going to see it. My hand's always there, but if they do, it's a glimpse. It's cool. Um, and then also afterwards, with being somebody that you know being naive to things it's just it's the way we all are as humans in certain categories we're not known for knowing everything having that kind of you know that persona just like you know i don't know a whole lot i don't like not like not like them when that kind of was thrust upon you how did like, because you could have backed away. You could have said, like, no, thanks. I, I'm fine. It was just, you know, a splare of a moment. I thought of a friend. I was like, cool, I'm going to keep it on. How did you, how did you learn to embrace that? Because that's a big, big task to take on. Like, that's a, that's a whole community to take yeah. on. Um, so how did you, that's not a light thing to take. That's not a split of a <clears throat> second like you were with your, your hockey yeah. stick. Um, can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, so first of all, for sure, I was influenced by the issue being humanized to me through a friend, right? Like, we'd go walk the dogs together and saw how nice she was, go out together, you know? So, of course, it was humanized to me. Like, why is this being done to someone who is an exemplary human being? Uh, it's not like she was some, like, partying girl that was uh, kind of out of line and, oh, now I'm, you know, saying these things. It was like, what? I'm coming to you because I love you as my family and this is what's happening. I was like, that's wrong. So you got to look at what I am as a hockey player, right? Like I literally stand up for people, my, my uh, colleagues and fight yep. on their behalf. So it just came naturally to me. I've never done that. I, obviously growing, I've never been in a street fight, but if anything ever got physical, I, I 
put myself in that in harm's way. I like I'm not, no, this isn't happening. Come on, stop. Yeah. It. Um, so that's just translated onto the ice. I don't back down from a challenge. Like let's go. Like if you want to go, let's go. If it fits our team thing. So it's just the same thing with this. If now that I knew that it was a problem, that it was affecting so many people, I think it's a moral obligation as a human being to be in on this issue. Just because it doesn't affect me doesn't mean I can't help out. We need everyone to make a difference. Like there's no finish line for these issues. What I've learned is that these are going to take, it's not even be fixed in our generation, but we could move the torch or move the needle as much as we can before we pass it off to the younger generation and educate the younger generation, which is what we have in the works right now, which is super exciting. So um, yeah, just, it's, I have a platform as a, as a, it's not a big one, but maybe bigger than most, but it's not a huge one, but I have feel an obligation. If I'm going to live this pro hockey life and have more recognition and all these great things happening for me, I need to give back. Yes. Yes. I love that you said there's no finish line. I love that. That was, I like that. Um, so I want to talk about being uncomfortable because mm-hmm. when you're oblivious, it's like, you know, there's, there's really no emotion to it. You're just like, okay, cool. Yeah. Like that's what you do. Cool. But then you're now getting into it and you're having, you know, people come to you that, you know, it's, they're dealing with it head on and then you're, you're seeing things in the news. How do you all of a sudden turn on that, that ability to just kind of manifest that uncomfortableness within yourself? Because it's not easy um, in any situation that brings out a side of you that you don't typically know, you don't typically use or, or, feed into or maybe you don't even know is there within yourself how do you mm-hmm. allow that uncomfortableness to sit within you in order for you then to portray a good message and a powerful message coming from the heart knowing that like you're not going to be perfect in it but you're open to it yeah um <clears throat> first of all i think what i've learned is we all have different roles okay so on a hockey team is the hawaiian scorer there's a guy like me defensive defenseman offensive defenseman i know my role so I think my role in these issues is to be the loud guy because it just comes naturally to me. Like, I feel like this woke like a something that was always there in me. I just was only doing it in hockey. I'm the crazy dude that's like yelling at the other team all the time. Now I just have to do it off the ice and be like compassionately bringing people into the conversation. So I'm prepared for this as a person. And that's why, like, for example, my girlfriend has a huge uh, following, but that's just not her. She wants to do things in private. She wants to have you know, good conversation, private. I'm out there. I'm willing to take the brunt of it because that's what I do in hockey too. So it kind of comes yep. naturally. Um, but yeah, being uncomfortable, that's another thing that I also, I mean, I kind of love it because it's, it's in my bio. Get out, life begins outside your comfort zone. I've lived that. I've had to get so uncomfortable to get sitting here talking to you right now. Like, the, like I mean, just the workouts, the, the crazy amount of eating, the discipline, uh, giving up social life, giving all these you know moving around missing out on family time like i've i know it but it's led me to the best thing uh i i just think our world has a problem with accountability these days no everybody wants to be so comfortable our our species is just degenerating before our eyes people will just want to hey if you're totally happy working nine to five watching netflix you go to bed wake up have a tv dinner before you go to bed wake up do it again all the power to you but i promise you there aren't many people that are truly happy doing that go for a run Go swim in the pool until you can't swim anymore. You're going to drown. Like, you're so tired. Then go out and then see if you have the hate in your life to put hate on the internet. 
to go against these social issues. Like, come on, like people just got to wake up. Life is about being uncomfortable. I'm, I'm 27. I'm going to live for like, hopefully 40, 50 more years. Hopefully. Like, yes. what's the time's ticking here? I'm not going to live a comfy life. I want to go at it every day. Yes. So I, I love that. Yes. Getting out of your comfort zone is definitely the, the key to really any true success and, and, and truly sustaining success. Because I find that when, if you get to a level of success and you get comfortable in it, that's when it starts to get fleeting and, lo- uh, and you start losing it. It's always trying to strive for that next level of discomfort. Now, when talking about situations that can get you uncomfortable and you're, and it's good to get there, boundaries do need to be had. How do you set them so that you can openly talk about a conversation that might be difficult, that you don't maybe know a lot of information about, that you know that you'll probably say something that's going to offend somebody that's going to be wrong, How do you set boundaries so that people feel comfortable talking about it? Because you have to feel comfortable talking about it. You can't have hate in the room. You can't have people feeling that they're going to be judged with the the very instant they they speak because they don't know what they're talking about. How do people that have no idea what they're talking about come into a situation and set boundaries for themselves to be able to talk? I think you have to do the work on yourself. Like I said, accountability. You can't go into these things and not be prepared. Like, you have to be prepared. It's funny. People want to prepare. If it's, like, their career, oh, I'll get uncomfortable because i got to make money. i got to kind of, like, do that. But they don't want to get uncomfortable about, you know, helping others. When I've found that's what brings the most love into my life is getting uncomfortable to help things that don't even – I believe in karma. It all comes back around, people helping people. So how I approach it is that anybody should be able to do this. If you sit down, I don't know how long it would take you. It wouldn't take me very long. It didn't take me very long. I know my intentions are pure. I have, you know, I, I have nothing to, just like with Haga, nothing to lose going to these situations. If I'm wrong, I'll gladly admit I'm wrong. I'm, cause I'm, that's how I got into this by recognizing I was wrong. Uh, so there, that's the first point. And then two, it's doing the work on myself. Like for example, here's an example for you. What makes probably the, me the most emotional now? My, my new love in my life, my girlfriend. So we'll get in like a little stupid argument here and there, right? And it's like super emotional because I care so much. And then, you know, at the end of it, we talk it through and it's like, man, it's funny how this will make me emotional, but I've really practiced at not getting emotional when I talk to someone who's a racist, maybe, or has different views or hates LGBT because of religion. It's like, but I do get angry at those, but it's like practicing in my own life with my girlfriend prepares me for these because now I'm like, hey, take a breath. What works in a conversation with my girlfriend when we're having a problem? It's having compassion, knowing that she has positive intent. So I try to go into these things like, you know, I have tried to have compassion for you. If you come at me as hate, I'm not going to come back at you as hate. I need to send you back. Compa- hey, people comment things. I go, okay, compassion. Like, I hope you're doing well over there. You know, I understand that you probably view things differently and you probably genuinely think that you're right. And that's, you know, that's, I can, I can have compassion for that. However, yeah. you need to be willing to have a conversation. And when I tell you to maybe think a different way, you can't throw hate at me. The conversation ends when hate comes in. That's why wars are fought. Like I had this funny thing yesterday. I was on our two days ago podcast. Why do you think all these wars happen back in the day? Because one king just offended the other one. Ah, oh, we're going to go to war and kill everybody now just for because I'm offended. Like people need to work on themselves. And I can say this because I've done it very recently to now know I don't get offended by, I don't think anything. I don't know if you can really offend me because you say something, you don't know me. Like 
somebody says something, you don't know who I am. You don't know my intentions. Of course, you're going to think that about me. I'm not offended by that, but let's talk about it. Why do you feel this way about these issues? What, what evidence do you have to support yourself? Like, let's just have an honest, open, compassionate conversation. There's no need for hate to come involved. That's the way I approach everything. I like that. I like that. I like that because it's, it's, it's coming at people. It's not even coming at people. It's approaching people in a way that's saying like, I don't have to defend who I am. I just want to open your mind to the possibility of allowing you to really know who I am and, and to see the intentions that I come from. And if you don't care to come into that space, so be it. That is your, that is your opinion of me, but at least I'm open to allowing you into my space without that hatred that you might be bringing into it. It's not, it's not resonating from me. Yep. One of the biggest things that I, I always try and work with when I, when I'm with my clients or my boot campers is to get them to understand that when we're, when we're doing something or when we're feeling something, especially like a negative energy, there's a lot of things that get placed in front of us that are really easy to take that feel good because they fuel that energy, but then it just keeps propelling and it keeps just magnifying that energy. And it's understanding that you have to come from a place of compassion to that negative energy and understanding what about it inside of you that is bringing out that energy because it's exactly. something in you whether it's been a past experience a loss of a dad i lost my dad you know the meant the amount of times you were got you got told no you weren't good enough after being pretty much shown that what you were doing is like so great and then it's like no nah, just kidding like having that kind of thrown at you or you know doing is studying so hard for a test and then failing and then being like i studied so hard like understanding that those feelings are something within you and you have to be able to meet it with compassion and understanding that all emotions within you have a safe place because they're within you and understanding that is so key because then you can hold that space for yourself and then hold it for others so friggin true i mean it's that's why i love talking to people that get it i just call it you get it and now i don't think i permanently get it i know i need to have a growth mindset something might come up tomorrow and i might be triggered and i need to figure that out but i understand the process now of how to approach all these things you know uh i used to think you know i used to hear um happiness is a choice you know so if i was like if it's a choice then i should be literally happy all the time well no because nothing's permanent you talk look look at up all these buddhas and stuff nothing there's no impermanence is just a fact of life. Nothing is permanent. So if it's a choice, I can still choose it, but it doesn't mean it exists. But so it's funny, like I use this example, I train all week and the best feelings I have are after the hardest workouts. I dread them the most, but I love them the most after. So then I get to yeah. a Sunday and I'm like, I get to a Sunday and I have the day completely off on Sunday to rest my body. And then I have a kind of like a dull day. And I, but because in the past I'd be like, well, I'm not happy and it's going to ruin my workout tomorrow. But now doing this work on myself and understanding and educating, it's like, no, no, like this is, I don't feel that way because I didn't get the big endorphin release. But you know what? Part of my plan is relaxing now. I can make this day better with this conscious choice of this is a duller day. Let's read some books. Let's talk to the families. FaceTime my girlfriend. Let's prep food for tomorrow. And then 
ready to go tomorrow, I, I get myself out of it. I saw your Instagram story of we need to be able to go through the times when we're not feeling good. If you can frame it like that, like, hey, this is just one of those days. Am I going to fold on these days or I'm going to work harder? Because then I'll get the highs later. I'm chasing that great feeling all the time. Yes, yes. And it, and it's understanding that, like, it's going to happen. You're going to have those lows. Like you said, nothing is permanent. Like, even the, the best of athletes and the people that train the most, they have times where they flunk, they fail, they don't feel that they've had a good training week. Maybe they trained all week, but it was their worst training week possible. They were maybe in a fight with their spouse, not eating correctly, kids were up all night. Who knows what it could be? Fear of the fight that they're happening, thinking too much of the fight that they just had. It could be anything. And it's definitely, it's definitely putting yourself in the position of knowing that, okay, no matter what the outcome is, right now, I have the choice to be present in the moment and be happy in with whatever is I am doing, whether it is preparing for my next, today's a dollar day, but I know this dollar day makes those training sessions more intense. They make them better because if I didn't take this dull day to rest my body, I wouldn't be having those excellent fun days where I'm dreading it every second that I'm doing that squat. But then after that workout's done, I'm like, wow, like, cool, woo, that was amazing. And it's those dull days that give them to it. So understanding that you have to, one of my things is you have to embrace the the dark, anything of it, all of it, any of the negative that life is going to give you, that is going to arise within you, that is going to come without any of your control, you have to embrace it because if you don't, you do not get the full effect of any of the positive, of any of the good in life. You might think that you're feeling it, but you don't actually get that full effect. As nope. much as you feel the dark, it's as much as you're going to feel the light. And people, they're like, well, I'm, I, well, I'm happy. I feel good. And it's like, okay, but have you really felt good? Like, have you really felt good? Because you can't really feel that unless you've allowed yourself to just manifest a little bit in that unwanted, uncomfortable sadness or that loss. And okay, okay, what can I do to make myself a little bit better so that when something else comes in life that is going to trigger this emotion in me, how can I bring out the best in me? to make me keep moving forward and not have that. I'm not saying don't not feel the emotion, feel it. You have to feel it. But how do you manifest it to a different emotion? How do you change, like emotion is energy in, in action, right? So how do I transfer this unwanted feeling after I've, I've honored it, I've named it, I've given it its time. Now, how do I manifest it into something proactive? for me in my life. And that's mm -hmm. what people need to know. And when you are able to do that, that oh, woe is me phase that people like to stick in because it's comfortable or they get that intention that they're looking for or that they think that they're looking for, doesn't, you don't like that. It You don't like that anymore. You're like, ugh, it becomes unattractable when you learn that like, wow, I have so much power over my emotions when I can transfer something that I feel and then use it to you do something good for me, for somebody else. 
and not just sit there and manifest and keep it bringing up and and propelling it to get bigger and bigger I spill it into the lives of others and into my girlfriend and into my relationship and into my career and all of that kind of stuff it's when you take ownership it's just get out life. of a victim mentality it's just a victim it's a victim versus uh your living life like Life's always going to happen to you. I think we can see the stories in the news. I, there's endless amounts of examples. And I used to see these all growing up. They go right over my head. You know, yin and yang would go over my head. The balance of life would go over my head. I'd go to the extremes of everything. It's like, holy, like just sit back and just realize that every, how many times have we all heard it's how you react to life? Because it's a cliche because it's so true. It's the truth. You can easily turn. Okay. I wouldn't say easily, but. Right now, when we're fired up talking about it, you can turn the dark into jet fuel. That's what David Goggins said. You can turn that into your your power and your motivation. It's not it's not all dark and dreary. Something bad happened to me. It's like, oh, how can I use this now? And for me, like you said, uh, emotions, energy. You know, I just this is my analogy now, where it's like, if I if I in the past, if I'm on the bench in a game, and uh, I don't play power play or penalty kill very often, so. You know, there's a bunch of minutes I'm not playing, but I had a great shift before and I want to get back out and use it, but the coach not put me out there. In the past, I would let that be like, well, Frig, like, what do I got to do here? But now it needs to be like, what would I think if I was sitting up in the press box when I'm a healthy scratch? When I'm up there, I could easily look down and be like, dude, like, focus on your next shift. Like, I know all the answers within myself, but emotions cloud us and they change how we view the world and our perspective. So I just try to think of like zooming out like a bird's eye view. Every time I'm in a situation now and I feel like, you know, I can't, my chest getting tight, my emotions are coming, I'm getting bothered, and I need to just put myself in the press box in my suit and tie where I'm not playing the game, and I'm like, okay, I know, I wish I was playing, but I know all the right things to do. I see the right plays happening, I see this, I see this. He should react like this, he should react like that. I need to be in that mindset. I need to be able to zoom out, see it for what it is, come back in and take that energy and use it the way I need to. That's the way I'll make positive impact in my life and everyone else's life. Oh, I love, I love that analogy. I like that. I like that. That is good. That is so good. Thank yes, you. being able to step away and being able to see the bigger picture is definitely, definitely huge because it allows you to see that there's a lot more strokes and there's a lot more to the painting than just what you're you're focusing on or what color you're focusing on painting at that specific moment in your life. Um, with 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 all of your I was going to say, what's the word I'm exactly looking for? With all of your, um, like, reach out and your, your platform, what are you looking to, to fulfill? What is your purpose within this, this platform? And what are your, what are your main messages that you're, you're really trying to get out there for, for you, for the, the community, for everybody that you're trying to represent? Yeah. So I think, first of all, with these social issues, like, I can't try to fix the whole world. I can't try to fix everything. I need to focus on what I'm involved in, hockey culture. Um, hockey culture is having a reckoning right now. Um, there needs to be a lot of changes made. Uh, we have some great things coming on the educational youth side. But being in the game, I can just try to do as much as I can and pull as many people into the fight and make as many things, you know, aware to people as possible. Uh, like I, I need to get a contract for next year. I'm never, I'm not going to go into the team and like make a debate happen every day. But like, for example, last year I was the guy that, you know, 
I've been there before. I'm willing to say it. When I was younger, I didn't think anything of it when I said it. You know, that's so gay. Like, I I just had no idea. So now yeah. it's like in our locker room this year, it's like, it's like, uh, you know, somebody says that and everybody goes, oh, here we go. Here comes Gaber language police. I'm like, guys, I'm not telling you. I'm asking if we could try to say pathetic. That's stupid. That's yeah. dumb. You know, not even dumb. Like, you know, just let's, let's be a little more mindful. I'm not condemning you. I've been there. So let's just work on it. So it's like those little things. Um. You know, I'll Language probably figure out. It is, it is. So I'll probably find some way to creatively, wherever I play, to do interviews of teammates in the community, just spreading awareness, that kind of thing. But we need to fix hockey culture. And I'm not afraid people are like, oh, you affect this can affect your career. I mean, I'm just, I'm just being a good person. So if they don't want me because of that, could I'm a I'm a human, not a hockey player anymore, right? Remember, that's my secondary thing. Yeah. I don't care. I don't care. Like I I care more than anyone in my opinion. But at the end of the day, I don't because I understand and put life in perspective now. Um, so really, you know, for the hockey side, just trying to share my journey for, you know, people don't get to see as much behind the journey of hockey players because hockey's so insular and, you know, just worry about hockey and nothing else. I think there's a balance to that. And I think I can show people my journey and, you know, my pitfalls, the things I'm working at, uh, really just spread the message that this is my main, so it's the, it's the get uncomfortable. I didn't make this one up. So that's, you know, life begins outside your comfort zone. But I kind of, my own mantra is just control it. You can't control, do it with love to me. In my experience at 27, it encompasses everything you could ever talk about in those that short sentence. Control what you can control. That's what we just went on about a while there. And do it with love, which is my way of saying do it with good intention. You can't lose yeah. if you do those two things. You'll be so successful in your definition of success if you control those two things. I think a lot of people would have seen mm-hmm. me and where I've been and say, say I was controlling those things my whole life. And, but again, that goes back to me being a little bit trying to be perfect, but no, in my own head, there was all these things raging, you know, maybe on the outside, it looked fine or, oh, you just didn't make it this year. You'll make it next year. It's like, no, there was reasons why. So now I, I am awake to that. And now I know I'm going to start, well, before I turned 27 and, you know, whatever quarantine started March, since then I've been living, control what I can control, do with good intentions, can't lose. Yes. I love that. So with like, with your I, I personally think that your hockey career has been just, like I said, I think just a driving force to where, to where you are now. And I think that you are going to do phenomenal things with, within the career of hockey. And I think what I, I think what you're going to do is open up to a lot of people, um, the understanding that it's okay for them to be them because I know uh, we talked a little bit about it before that that persona of, of a hockey player and, and what they stand for and probably, you know, women upon women and how they probably sleep with, you're probably opening a lot of doors for a lot of men that are out there that maybe are struggling with feeling of, not being okay with being homosexual that maybe have not come out yet that are in the NHL that are in your league. I think you're doing a huge, huge impact, uh, way further than what you, you are entitled to that, what you even know. Um, and I think it's going to be a huge ripple effect that is going to make massive waves in, in your life. And uh, it's amazing what you're doing. I'm, I'm blown away with, with your story. I can't, I can't thank you enough for joining me today and, and for all that you're doing. Um, how can my listeners find you for one thing? And I have just a couple more questions after that. 
Yeah, well, thank you so much. That, to hear that coming from you, someone who I say that gets it, means that the message I'm putting out that I work hard at every day is being received exactly how I want it to be received. And that's so validating for me. I'm a, I'm a pleaser type of person. Like in the past, I had trouble with constructive criticism. I was more the guy you could yell at, but then you were like, I need you. Yell at me, but then like, I need you. Bring like, help me here. I'm like, oh my God, I'll go through a wall for you. So when I get that, that's what fuels me. You know, I don't like the coaches that played the mind games. Just be straight up, say you want me and I'll do anything for you. So I've learned that when I do get somebody to yell at me, I need to be self-secure and handle that. But thank you for that. Cause I'm just saying thank you. Cause all this fuel I get, all the messages, guys, even just straight hockey players being like, dude, you're helping so many people message me. You know, like I said, you go be a leader on your hockey team. Do do the same things I'm doing. I'm back you up in anything. Like I love that about it. So thank you. And then um, people can find me at uh, just Curtis with a K underscore, or sorry, Curtis, uh, Curtis Gabriel underscore on Instagram, Curtis Gabriel underscore, and then just at Curtis Gabriel on Twitter. I got a YouTube channel too. Um, just trying to feel everything out. I got like a brand team, marketing team. I got a whole like, I'm like the CEO of myself now. And it's really exciting to see how many things I can affect and what kind of impact I can make. It's going to be, going to be really cool. That is so exciting. That is, I, I absolutely love it. Um, I want to, I want to know, like, do you have like a certain uh, charity that you're wanting to to create for yourself that is going to help people? Do you have a certain charity that you are going to kind of focus yourself into, or do you are you just kind of going to immerse yourself in whatever you're you're feeling feeling passionate about at the time and and feel that your voice is going to be heard and and is going to be good for their community and and what they're standing for. Yeah, that's something obviously I've thought about and talked about with friends. People have come up to me and um, I feel like everything happens organically for me. So if I just keep being me, that's of course going to happen at some point. It's just when's the right time. Uh, obviously, I'm still trying to play hockey. So I, I want to give back, but I also want to like, I want to be, I've, I talked to Brock McGillis. He's the first like professional hockey player that came out as gay after his career. We just had a kid come out in the QMJHL that's trying to make the team there. 17 year old came out in hockey. It's incredible. Uh, so yeah. we are making, yeah, it's, it's, it just happened last week. So it's crazy. Um, so I consult him and he's like my fearless leader. I call him. He's like, you know, Yoda. I'm just like a foot soldier. So I feel like if I continue to work with him with some of the stuff we got going, if I continue to immerse myself in this and he's telling me to stay in the game, he's like, you know, Kaepernick lost his, career to do this which is incredible but he's like dude you're an ally like you don't need to do that <laughs> he's like play hard we need you in the game we need you doing things with your teams and and being a relevant person so i'm like great because i still love the game i still want to be in it if it'll have me you know i think i yeah. can play in the nhl the, the role i bring i think is very relevant now i think i can play so um i think everything will happen organically if i just live my true self if i'm free of fear those are my hashtags I like using like those are if i just do that everything will fall into place and i'll make impact whether i do a podcast fundraiser all of the above i don't know foundation whatever it is yes i think i think with you staying in the game especially with you known as kind of like the 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 rough and tumble guy the fighter having that you know that as you on the the rink and then you come off and it's like you're so love it's like whoa it's like who who is that guy that was just punching punching that dude in the face yeah. <laughs> like it's yeah. and now yeah. he's like all love and I think I think just with that I think you were showing people that 
it's okay to allow yourself to be a magnitude of everything that you want to be. You're not just one person. You're not just that fighter on the ice. You're not just that hockey player. You're not just the boyfriend. You're not just the son. You are an accumulation of all of those. But when it comes down to it, you are truly whatever you desire to be within yourself and how you bring it and represent and show up to the world. That's who you are. And it's mm -hmm. and it's just amazing what you're doing. And thank you so very much. Uh, my final question for you, I'm excited for this, um, is what is your perspective on positivity? Oh, I mean, it's like, it's it's everything. I mean, I was a people, it's really funny. People always, I get messages every day to my morning, like, list story saying, thanks for the positivity, thanks for things, right? And I always just think, thank you. But in the back of my head, I'm like, I was so negative. A lot of my teammates that I played with growing up know me as, like, crazy games, like, little bit negative. Um kind of get a little crazy and it's funny because like I've always wanted to be that guy that just pinnacle just do everything right way but I let my emotions because I'm so fiery take over so now I'm just like I have a lot of making up to do I feel like I have a lot of positivity to make up for the negative things I've kind of mm -hmm. thought in my thought process so if I live it therefore I will be thinking it all the time therefore I am it like I just think I am positivity now like that's me but I do need to work on Empathy versus sympathy. Sometimes I want to jump to silver linings when I need to be like, hey, you know what? This sucks. Like, I've been there. Let it sit there for like 10 minutes. This is awful. Let's not fun. And then when it's like we've acknowledged that it's sunk in, how do we make better from there? Instead of just being like, hey, babe, yeah, you view that that way. That's not right. You should do it this way. That's not that's sympathy, not empathy. So I'm working on that. So um just all I just want to be love positivity but like when it comes down to it like fierce about it that's when i want to be yes yes fierce i'm all for that fierce positivity <laughs> and yes i i i posted i posted on my instagram um it was a, a meme and it says i know what love is because it's it lives within me it's all that i, I that. am and i when I read that quote, I was like, whoa. And it really did sink into me. It didn't, it wasn't that exact moment, but I thought back to the time where I was like, oh, when I did realize that, like, I'm love. Not, it's not the love that others are giving me, although that's great and I love it. And please don't ever stop because I like it. But that's not me. That's not, that's just an essence of love that I get to immerse myself in when they are freely giving it to me and when it's not given to me that's okay too because i'm it and i can immerse myself in me and i can love myself and then when love does appear in a form of someone else it's okay and i just immerse myself in that love and then if it disappears because things are not always going to stay that's okay as well it's yeah, because you're your own source. You're, you're your own battery. You're your own just evervescent thing, doing your thing. Someone wants to me come and talk to you. We're gonna bounce off each other, and have a great time. Someone negative wants to come in. Uh, we'll we'll accept it. We'll try to give them some, even if they don't deserve it. And all yep. there's just I just feel like we're all, you know, we're very all insignificant little pieces, but we're still all. We aren't like a part of the universe. We are everything in it. We are a part of it. We are life. We are matter. Like we're all connected that way. And I just feel like why can't we all be on the same page that way? It just takes some humility. It takes some compassion, some empathy, and some hard work. Like it's not, yes. 
but it like makes your life so much more fulfilling. But it, we're such corruptible beings. Like human beings are kind of bad, but we got to start turning that into good. We got to embrace our pitfalls and our desires and all these bad things about ourselves and turn it into a positive. Yes, I and and I find that when we learn to not attach ourselves to everything that is in our life so it's not who we are it's a part of us it's not us then our life becomes so much more freeing we actually get to have a open love towards it because they get to or whatever it is the game gets to still be hockey you love the game of hockey hockey's not you and you, because of that, when you get to immerse yourself that way, you become more freeing to it. You get to play for fun when you want to go out with your buddies and just play for fun and not have that attitude of, oh, I can't do that because, like, you know, I got training <laughs> or I, can't, I have to, every training session, if I feel like I shit, no matter what, I have to push. Like, <laughs> I can't allow myself to feel this. You have to understand that, like, you, you just got to go with the flow. You have to love all the I yeah, just love all the time and love fierce and just love yourself and know that like nothing is you unless it is you. And unless I mean, you give energy to it, it it won't have energy. It won't have power unless you give it to it. Yeah, coming from me, I can please tell everyone like you are, you will be, like, I always think about moving the needle, always going forward. Like, you'll go way more forward at an exponential higher rate if you're doing it the way we're talking about than feeding the negative, like, things. And I didn't even know I was doing it. That's what sucks. That's the part I can be kind to myself about. I thought I was doing the right thing because I've always had good intentions. Just got to be smart about it. You're always going to go farther doing it this way than doing it any other way. I want to talk about... Oh. Just quickly, sorry, I want to talk about sympathy and empathy because you brought that up, and uh, that's huge. That mm -hmm. is, that's massive. How mm -hmm. do you allow yourself, because I believe there, there comes a point where you have to understand that sympathy is what somebody needs because they're in the state of always being, oh, woe is me. So it's kind of like, it's a hard thing because you want to. You have to have empathy. There's like, got to be empathy because you know you know the person, but you gotta like. It's kind of like hard love. Like it's like hey, you gotta push yourself. There's there's a you have to keep showing them that silver lining because like, they're that oh woe is me. They're that victim, and it's like you can't give any more empathy because when you do you're now you're getting stuck in it like you're, you're now immersing it in it so yeah. how do you yeah. how especially in the in in what you're doing with like activism how do you find that balance to be like okay we got to get out of it or okay now i got to immerse myself a little bit in it with you because it's not just it's not mm -hmm. just uh a game that you're playing or it's not just a victimizing situation that you like to be in because of whatever reason, people that play victim, some people know that they're doing that. And then there's some people that it's just their life. That's just been their role their entire life. So they don't know how to be anything different. And then there's people that certainly like to just be it because that, yeah. that's easier for them. Um, this is a really, you, this is a really, how do you separate the difference and how do you, how do you show both? 
Uh, this is a relatively new thing for me. Like one of my brand ladies, they're really smart people. They sent me, uh, I think her name's Brené Brown. I think she's a very famous, like, yeah, she's amazing, right? So I, I watched that thing on. Yeah, so it was like a cartoon, and it was like, you know, there's a, uh, there's like funny little animals. There's like a fox at the bottom of the hole, and he's all sad. And then there's a hippo that's like being empathetic, and he's putting his arm and saying, hey, I'm, I understand how you feel right now. You know, suddenly died of cancer. Somebody in my family died of cancer. Let's like acknowledge how shitty this is. And then you have like a giraffe that comes down the ladder from the nice place being like, hey, like grow up. Let's go kind of thing. It's like I was the giraffe too much. So I need to like, for me, it's reverse engineering it from what you're saying. I need to be a little more, hey, you know what? It's not fair. It's just, we just acknowledge that. And, 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 and instead of just being so go, 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 I'm too blunt. Like I'm too just like, Okay, you aren't doing that well. You aren't doing that well. You need to do this, this. I'm too blunt. So with my girlfriend, especially, like, for example, she has a hard time going through change. She moved back from her parents to her apartment. She's got new things in her life. I'm new in her life. All these things are changing and happening with her Instagram and school. It's like, I need to remember when I would move away from home, it stuck too. I moved away home 17 and I moved to the States at 21. It was shocking and scary. So I got to, you know, let her acknowledge that I, I hear you. Now, from a place of making kind of almost her idea, how do you think and how do I think we should move forward with this with you? How do I approach you? How do how do we make this into a positive? So I need to do it the opposite way than most probably, but um, very relatively new, very new thing that I'm working on. I actually have a reminder in my phone that comes up every day because it's something I need to be mindful in my dealings with her. So uh, it's just a daily grind. It's like so many things going on, but that's one of the ones I want to focus on right now. So for me, it's empathy first right now because I've been too much sympathy I like I like that you said like help her like even if something might be your idea help her understand that it's within her to make that choice so like even though you might have brought up the idea of helping what might help her her choosing to do it is her choice and so that makes it her taking accountability (laughs) and ownership which is amazing because a lot of people don't understand that because they're just like, well, just do it this way. Do You have to do it this way. And I don't know if you ever heard of a man named Peter Crone. He's amazing. You got to check I him out. I think I have, yeah. He's fantastic. And he, the one uh, episode I was watching of him, he was saying that people that get into that mode of it's like they're having a conversation. It's like, well, no, like it has to be done this way or certain things happen or they feel certain as well. Well, you made me feel that way. It's like, he's like, it's like walking out and going, who put the sun there? It's supposed to be here. It's like, you do not have that control of how somebody else is going to react to what you present to them, how you're going to show up in their life. You have no control on how they're going to react or respond but being able to just be there with them and helping them understand that they take ownership and no matter what they're doing, whether you're beside them, giving them the advice, helping them, it's them. And I love that. That's awesome. I like that you, you, it's cause you were, you, you're kind of giving her the ownership and you're just saying, Hey baby, I'm, I'm here with you. No matter what, <laughs> however you which need is, it, I'm here, I'm yeah, running which, and I'm, I'm is, with you. <laughs> which is hard because I'm this type of, I'm like, you got, I always tell you, you got to realize who you're dating here. I am the typist of A there is, you know, so I'm all over this stuff. So it's funny, like, I'll, I'm getting in these scenarios where it's like, the, I told you so. So I'm like trying to I impart information on her. And then she'll come back like two weeks later and have the same thing that I said. And I'm fighting my own humility and ego to be like, that's a great idea. Instead of me being like, I told you that. 
so <laughs> I did that a couple of times and now I'm on the point where it's just like, you're amazing. Like, wow, what a good idea, babe. Like, so it's just, I'm sure she does it with me too, but me being older, I'm like, babe, it's not, you're not any, I'm not any smarter than you. I just have more life experience. I want to help, but it needs to be your idea. I'm just here to be the cheerleader, just like I am with being an ally for all these social issues, just like I am for positivity. I'm just a cheerleader. Yes, I love it. Well, thank you so much for, you know, for being such a light and, and, and sharing that positivity and being such a, a fierce leader in, 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 you know, kindness and love. Because like, like you, I think that that is what the world needs most of right now. And it needs to be turned up and amplified because right now the world is just speaking so much negativity and, and flowing it out there. And I think that it's just, it's louder right now. And I think that's why we need to shine some light, some real true light, not the fake persona. We need to shine true light of openness and, and, and understanding and, and understanding not just of new things, but understanding that we're not going to be perfect in this at any point we're going to say things we're going to do things that are going to offend somebody but it's understanding where you're coming from good intentions doing it with love and just yeah. knowing that no matter what happens you are you and as long as that comes from that place you're doing good you're doing a good okay. thing and i just well, th thank you so much no, thank you. Like, thank you for those kind words. It means so much. But right back at you, you're doing the same thing. You know, you don't have as big of a platform. You're doing your thing. You're spreading the same message. We need people that are secure enough to be like, I'm not that, like, you know what I mean? Like, everybody's like, oh, you have a platform. It's easy for you to say. I'm like, guys, come on, stop that. I'll be the one commenting on your post being like, frick, yeah. Like, I want to push everybody up. Doesn't matter how many followers you have, all this. That's, that's insecurity stuff. Get secure. And then, do the right thing. That's all we just need to do. Vulnerability is power. Be vulnerable. All the great things come from that. Yes, I love it. I love it. And we're going to cut. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> yeah, we're going to go on forever. <laughs> that was amazing. Thank you so very much. Um, you enjoy the rest of your day. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get editing this. I'm so excited. Thank you so very much. No problem. Thanks so much. Wow! Whew. Did I not tell you that that man is just full of inspiration and so inspiring? Man, he is going to do incredible things um, for society, for the world, and is just going to make a, a very powerful, positive impact, and is just really going to shed a lot of kindness um, in this world, and, the, and that is exactly what we need. If you guys enjoyed this, please let us know by tagging us in the socials at Instagram, at Curtis Gabriel, and at, at Sparkplug Wellness. Please let us know. Also, please rate and review the podcast. It truly does help get the value that my guests provide out to more listeners. And it lets me know if I am on the right track to providing you guys with what you guys want to listen to. Thank you guys so very much 
for all that you guys do, whether this is your first time listening or this is your 10th, 15th, 30th time. Thank you guys so very much. It is now time to go out and do something positive and be positive.